following program contains themes and topics that may be disturbing for some. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Any Given Day, a podcast series sharing the stories of those who dedicate their careers to serving others. On any given day, the more than 800,000 law enforcement officers in the United States witness the best of community and confront the worst of society. The profession requires a resilient mind every single day. In this season, we hear the stories of how law enforcement officers navigate the unique stress of their job from the men and women who live them. Each week, they remind us, on any given day, you face the unknown, and on every single day, you carry on. On today's episode, we have Sheriff Rosie Rivera from Salt Lake County, Utah. She has nearly 30 years in law enforcement and began as an officer and a detective, then rose through the ranks to sergeant, lieutenant, deputy chief, and now sheriff. She has done everything from community policing and patrolling the streets to investigations and gang and narcotics work. Sheriff Rivera, welcome to Any Given Day. Thank you for having me. Hearing the list of the positions that you've held in law enforcement, it seems you've filled just about every one that there is. Do you have a favorite moment or experience in policing that you can share? Yeah, sure. Uh, my, one of my favorite moments was when I was in the Metro Gang Unit. I had the opportunity to work as a gang detective, and there was a, a real issue with gangs at the time. And I was able to mentor gang members. And still to this day, I still mentor uh, female gang members into getting out of the gang. So that, that's one of my most favorite parts is that I was able to carry that throughout my career. That's excellent. You're working yourself out of a job. <laughs> right. Well, I, I doubt that, not with gangs. <laughs> On this podcast, we dive into the stories of personal hardship. Life can present personal challenges. Law enforcement can present personal challenges. So unfortunately, there is no avoiding the fact that there will be hard times. Would you be willing to share with us a personal hardship that you've experienced because you're in law enforcement? Uh, Yes, I I actually experienced a personal hardship when uh, my cousin who got me into law enforcement Uh, died by suicide. She was also a police officer. And that really had a huge personal impact on me. And that was early on in my career. So after that experience, every suicide that I would go on, um, you know, brings back those memories. And um, it's helped me to understand that community out there that is struggling. And it's really helped direct the direction of my career uh, in having an interest in mental health and helping those who suffer from mental health issues. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I'm very, very sorry for your loss. Thank you. You've experienced a difficult personal loss. And at the same time, you continue to be a supervisor, a leader, a mentor to many of those at risk, including your peers. Has this shaped an empathetic perspective and what insight has it provided? Yeah, it's just the challenges that we have in society and then having to go on various calls. Um, you know, you on a daily routine, if you're in a busy area, you could go on a call where you see a death, um, you experience a, a major car crash, you, you know, you might go on a homicide. All those things add up. And at the end of the 
shift, you know, if you don't know how to decompress and go home and not continue in your police uh, mode, uh, it's going to build up year after year after year. And that's what we're seeing with law enforcement. They just don't know how to deal with those stresses and decompress. And so we're really focused on the wellness of the officer now, uh, because really we can't have officers who uh, have mental health issues out on the street working in the community um, unless the officers are well. And that that's really a, a huge topic right now for, for law enforcement. Do you personally have something that you do each day to deal with the stress and to keep your mind resilient? I actually do have a way for, for my personal to decompress. Um, I have a two-year-old grandbaby that lives with me, and she doesn't allow me to continue in my work mode when I get home. So I'm pretty much stuck on, you know, dealing with the two-year-old. And my daughter lives with me too. But when grandma's home, grandma's home. And that has really helped me through some difficult times, especially this last couple of years with the pandemic and the civil unrest and all the social issues regarding uh, police, it, it does take a lot of stress, uh, uh, build a, a lot of stress on you. And, you know, one of the things, there's always been a stigma for law enforcement that if you ask for help, then that makes you weak. And we're trying to let our law enforcement community know, know that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to go and get some therapy uh, so you can learn what techniques can help you decompress at the end of the day. So different techniques fitting for law enforcement can be found based on the person that's seeking them. It sounds like for you, having a family connection is important and being connected to future generations is a good way for you to divest yourself of some of that stress. I understand that in your career, you have focused on alternatives to incarceration, citizen mental health, and gang and drug prevention. You mentioned earlier some of the work you've done with gang mentoring. These programs can make such a difference in an individual's life, but unfortunately, not everyone makes it through successfully. How does it affect you when you see a citizen struggling? Does it take a toll on you personally? Yeah, it, it does make it tough, especially for a leader in law enforcement. Um, there's two things. Either the resources aren't available to certain communities or a, a certain community doesn't want the resources. So how does that impact you personally? It impacts me personally because we're trying to help our community that needs help the most. And it does take a personal toll because you know that it many people could be helped if the resources were there. Um, and it, I think it's important that the community all work together to ensure that if you come up with a program, that there will be the resources to back it up. So you and the officers and the employees in your organization see the full cycle of what happens to somebody when they're in a negative situation. And yet it sounds like you feel constrained in what you can do, which leads to a sense of frustration, particularly because you took the job because you want to be helpful to your community. Uh, yes, we do. We see it from the, the beginning to the end when they get booked into jail and get sentenced to you know, whether it's prison or uh, another different program. And uh, 
it, it does take a toll after a while, you know, it tends to make you a little bit negative at the system itself because um, there are so many people that need help out there and, and we're only seeing those who come to our jail, uh, but for law enforcement out on the street, uh, they're seeing a lot of it as well. So you're a minority woman in a profession where that's not very common. (laughs) This is something that gets emphasized when your story is told in the media and uh, as people are talking about you. Um, How do you feel about receiving so much attention for being a minority woman in law enforcement? Well, I think a lot of the attention has been because I'm the first female sheriff in the state of Utah, more so than being a minority in law enforcement. Um, I think the attention is that we don't see very many female minority leaders. Uh, so we do have minority officers, but not in leadership positions. And I, I just think it's something that the community has wanted. Uh, But we really didn't have that out there. And I think that now that I'm the first female sheriff in the state of Utah, that has brought the attention of, you know what, females can do this job, we can do it well, and we need to encourage others, especially our minority population, because we're so diverse in our communities. We have to have leaders at the top making decisions. Um, And sometimes we use our own personal experience to make those decisions. And I think that makes better decisions. You understand your community a lot better. Speaking of leadership, the sheriff's position in your county is an elected position. So on the one hand, you're a politician, which sometimes takes a gentle approach and some compromise. And on the other hand, you're a cop, which often requires being extremely direct. Can you talk about a time when those two roles were in conflict and how you balance the two? Well, um, yes, there's almost every day there's a conflict when you have a sheriff who is an elected official. I have to be very, very careful that I understand my role as a sheriff. Being a police officer, number one, uh, is very important to me. Serving our community and keeping them safe is my first goal. And yes, I am a politician because I I want to be the sheriff and it's an elected position. Uh, But other than that, it's about serving our communities and making sure that we're safe in our communities. So we've talked a bit today about the wide range of experiences that you personally have had in law enforcement. There's someone that you admire for how they handle adversity. Do you have any role models? Um, You know, I don't have a lot of personal uh, stories because I've been in law enforcement so long and and really how I I take a look at it is a, my campaign manager uh, he is uh, a diabetic and he lost both legs while he was um, you know going through uh, diabetes and 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 so he is in a wheelchair and he, that's really tough for someone to continue working. Uh, especially in politics. And I think I admire him so much because he still goes to work every single day with positive attitude. He understands what his role is, but you never hear him complain. And then, you know, sometimes we'll be at an event and I think my day has gone bad, but then I look at him and I think, I, you know, I can walk. 
He can't, and he still is at this event. So if I'm tired and had a long day, um, I just have to take one look at him and realize, you know what? I, I need to be here. He's here, I'm here. And uh, that's, you know, I really admire him for that. Sharing your story on any given day. If you're struggling or know a law enforcement professional who is, get help now. There are many resources, including the following. Call 911 if emergent help is needed. Safe Call Now is a confidential 24-hour crisis referral service for public safety employees and can be reached at 206-459-3020. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is available 24 hours a day at 800-273-8255. You are not alone. Stay safe. Nothing heard on this podcast should be considered medical advice, and its contents is not intended to substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a health care provider for that information. The views expressed are solely of the individuals who share them. Thank you to the parents of Chris Dudley, U.S. Marshal Service, for sponsoring this episode. A special thank you to Ron Brooks and Ben Bodden for dedicating their efforts to any given day. They, along with Mike Walker, Mark Espinoza, Matthew Brandt, Patrick Lillis, and James Vandermeer lent their time, advice, and wisdom. And thank you to Ruben at New Record Studios for technical support and production guidance. The Any Given Day podcast is created by the families and friends of LEOs who have died too soon. It is in honor of how they lived.